Thank you very much, Dr. Coleman. It's indeed a pleasure to be here. And I do want to congratulate Vincent. Uh, it is said that we stand on the shoulders of giants, and Joseph Michele was a giant, and so is Vincent. And uh, so the generations come, and the progress undoubtedly will continue because of the excellence that you just heard in his last talk, but also the passionate commitment from the heart to make all of these advances count for patients and to make sure patients have access. So thank you so much, Vincent, and congratulations. I do want to talk, as was said uh, so kindly by Mort, about new drugs. And I always like to start with this, but I keep changing it. And it's kind of nice because we have the proteasome inhibitors, inhibitors, monoclonal antibodies. We have an HDAC inhibitor. This year, we have a nuclear transport inhibitor. In fact, if you count them all up, there are 25 FDA approvals in myeloma in the last 20 years, which is probably more than any other disease. Many patients have a chronic illness. But I also like to point out here that in this year, there'll be over 30,000 patients diagnosed and 13,000 will die. So although we can celebrate the progress that you've heard about and you will continue to hear about at this meeting, there is much work to be done. As Vincent so nicely talked about in the non-transplant candidates, I'll mention just here quickly, this is sort of a, the idea that we have triplet therapies right now, an imid, a proteasome inhibitor, and steroids. It could be Velcade or bortezomib. It could be Kyprolis. As he told you, we have a, a randomized trial that Shaji led that will hopefully tell us that. Uh, but as you've also heard at this meeting, quadruplets are probably coming to a clinic near you soon. And the reason they're coming, you heard about the Griffin trial. That isn't yet published. That's RVD with or without daratumumab before and after transplant as induction and consolidation. We've heard some preliminary results here today and also at the International Myeloma Workshop. What's already published and led to the FDA approval in transplant candidates of daratumumab is the Cassiopeia trial. You've heard that here. It's VTD, Velcate thalidomide dex, with or without DARA before and after transplant. And as shown on this slide, there was a 53% reduction in the risk of progression or death. And that data, as well as the extent and frequency of response, led to the FDA approval of daratumumab in the front line for the transplant candidates. Vincent just gave you a beautiful talk about the more, uh, the elderly, if you will, or those patients who don't have liver, heart, liver, lung, or kidney function that warrants or can make transplants safe. So they're non-transplant candidates. Lenalidomide, bortezomib, dexamethasone at reduced doses, so-called RVD light, Cybor-D, and other regimens. Triplets are still advised, as he nicely said, in frail patients, doublets can be appropriate. But antibodies are here already, as you've heard. The Maya trial led to the FDA approval of daratumumab in this population, Lendex versus Daralendex in the elderly patients. Frequency and extent of response was greater, as was uh, the uh, rate of progression was much lower when the antibody was added. And about a quarter of the patients got MRD negativity. I just want to mention that in the near future, you will have another CD38 antibody. It's called isotuximab. On this uh, slide, on the right-hand side, it has kind of the same immune activities that daratumumab has. However, it reacts with a different epitope. And on the left-hand side, it has a unique mechanism of direct cytotoxicity. This antibody has actually gone forward into clinical trials uh, in the relapse setting that are positive. But for this point, I want to make 
in the non-transplant candidates, newly diagnosed RVD light, this lenalidomide bortezomib dexa reduced doses has been combined with this new antibody, Enrico Osio in Spain, 100% of people responded. 92% got a very good partial response or better, and almost half got MRD negativity. So assuming we can afford it, I do think that antibodies are likely coming into the transplant candidates newly diagnosed and also the non-transplant candidates. Now, we've already had FDA approvals this year. The most recent one was Selenexor, which is a nuclear transport inhibitor. We and others studied this extensively preclinically, and we like it because it's a different mechanism. The one caution I would say is it's FDA approved. There's responses in advanced myeloma. The durability is short. I do think we need to determine together now in combination trials what its precise role will be in terms of minimizing its side effects and enhancing its efficacy. The antibody I've already mentioned to you, isotuximab, the new CD38 antibody, will likely be FDA approved in the short term. Here is the randomized trial of pomalidomide dex with or without isotuximab, showing that the addition of the antibody increases the extent and frequency of response and the PFS on the right. This, I believe, will likely lead to FDA approval. And the other short-term drug, just to mention to you, there's actually two of them. One of them you know about from Shaji and others, Venetoclax, targeting BCL2, already FDA approved, and leukemia and lymphoma, pretty soon, I believe, likely to be approved, especially in the 1114 translocation subgroup of myeloma, because as Shaji and others have shown, if you combine venetoclax targeting BCL2 with a proteasome inhibitor on this slide, venetoclax, the response is like 90% in that population of 1114 translocation. And then in the short term, the other drug I believe that will be approved is likely called melflufen. This is a melphalan prodrug. It turns out myeloma cells have high levels of an enzyme aminopeptidases, and when you give melflufen, it actually converts within the myeloma cell by virtue of these enzymes into melphalan, hopefully in so doing improving the therapeutic index. And my colleague Paul Richardson and others have studied this, and you can see this waterfall plot showing very nice decreases in M protein and advanced myeloma. So I think we have the isotuximab monoclonal antibody, we have venetoclax, we have here melflufen as three examples of short-term, I believe, likely new drugs to come to your armamentarium in myeloma. Now I just want to mention a more long-term future just quickly. I like to think about how we can exploit what we already know and make it even better. So can we do better than proteasome inhibitors in terms of blocking protein degradation? Can we do better than the current generation of IMIDs? Can we do better in precision medicine? And what are we going to do in immunology? And I'll sort of be a warm-up for the session that's coming uh, after the break. In terms of targeting protein degradation, we in the upper left-hand corner together have targeted the proteasome inhibit with bortezomib, carfilzomib, or exazomib. But in the, as shown in this cartoon, we're targeting upstream what's called the ubiquitin proteasome receptors. These bring the protein to the proteasome for degradation. The receptor that we're targeting right now is called RPN13. It's expressed in myeloma, and we have a drug called RA190 that specifically inhibits this. 
But in the lower right corner, the exciting thing is this ubiquitin receptor inhibitor that inhibits the ubiquitin proteasome cascade, but upstream of the proteasome is actually active against patient cells which are resistant to bortezomib, and it's active in a dose-dependent way. Now, a real surprise that we found very recently is these ubiquitin receptors are expressed on dendritic cells. So, in fact, when you use this inhibitor of the ubiquitin receptor, as shown on the left here, you can cause these dendritic cells to stimulate an autologous T-cell and NK-cell immune response in patients. And on the right-hand side is shown our autologous system where we actually can take autologous myeloma, autologous effector cells, and autologous dendritic cells and show that this ubiquitin receptor inhibitor can trigger the killing by patients' own NK and T cells of their own myeloma. So think about targeting ubiquitin receptor at upstream of the proteasome as a potential way in the future. Now, you all know that thalidomide, lenalidomide, and bortezomib do the opposite. They trigger protein degradation by binding to cerebellum, as shown on this slide. And on the left-hand side, we already have stronger immunomodulatory drugs called the cell mods. They're stronger in the laboratory because they bind 20 times with higher affinity to cerebellum. But they're stronger in the clinic because Sargolaniel and others presented at ASCO, 30% of people with myeloma, which is resistant to lenalidomide and pomalidomide, actually respond to these cell mods. So we can make better imits, and they're coming soon. But we can also have a whole new class of drugs, and I've talked about these in years past, but this year I can tell you they're in the clinic. These drugs capitalize on what we learned from thalidomide. These are drugs... Some of them are called degronomate. Some of them are called protax. They bind to cerebellum or other ubiquitin-3 ligases, and they trigger protein degradation. And you can degrade the protein that you want to degrade. And as we're here this afternoon, there are such drugs in clinical trials now in breast cancer targeting estrogen receptor and in prostate cancer targeting androgen receptor. And in multiple myeloma in the lower right-hand corner of this slide, we have a variety of them, especially a RAF degrader that look very promising. But this is a very exciting development that came out of multiple myeloma, the immunomodulatory story. Now, I'm just going to spend a couple of slides on precision medicine in myeloma. At the top of this slide are circus plots showing that we have a very complex heterogeneous picture in our newly diagnosed patients. And when their disease relapse, it gets even more complicated, and the second relapse gets even more complicated. And on the left-hand side, it gets further confounded because myeloma is a clonal disease. And sometimes there's relapse in an individual clone, but the clones can change. There can be changes with a new subclone, or one subclone can become predominant. Suffice it to say that it's not only heterogeneous, but there are multiple clones. And in the lower right-hand corner here, we and others, many groups, have tried to come to a common pathway or a common genetic mechanism in relapsed myeloma that we might be able to inhibit in clinical trials. The most common mutated pathway is the RAS-RAFMAP kinase pathway, as shown here. And in fact, 
you and we have tried to inhibit this pathway with MEK inhibitors and NERC inhibitors alone or together and had transient responses. There's a new inhibitor from Amgen that's actually very exciting in uh, colon cancer and lung cancer. Unfortunately, that mutation of RAS that's targeted is not very common in multiple myeloma. On the right-hand side of this slide is a new umbrella trial that's now open in our country. Shaji is the principal investigator, but where patients with relapse myeloma are profiled, and we're going to learn for the first time if we can use a target inhibitor against their particular abnormality on top of a base of exazomib and pomalidomide for their relapse myeloma. And this will be the first foray, in my opinion, into precision medicine and myeloma. And I think we're about to start epigenetic therapies in multiple myeloma. Shown on the left-hand side is a demethylase. So these agents demethylate or remove methylation groups from promoters and allow transcription to occur. Conversely, if you inhibit a demethylase, you restore methylation and stop transcription. So the left-hand side of this cartoon shows you that KDM3A has been targeted pharmacologically, and now we have a drug, but we would like to target it, restore methylation of promoters like IRF4, which is a hallmark abnormality in myeloma, and in so doing, inhibit myeloma survival and have effects in the microenvironment. On the right-hand slide is the opposite of this. This is a methyl transferase. This is putting a methyl group onto promoters, and PRMT5 is something to just mention to you and you'll have in the back of your mind. It's expressed in myeloma. There are inhibitors. We and others have silenced it genetically and with drugs, but already in solid tumors, there are oral PRMT5 inhibitors in clinical trials, and God willing, soon that will be true in myeloma. So precision medicine is coming, not only targeting genetic, but also epigenetic targets. And then I'll just finish with a couple of slides about the immune therapies as a warm-up for the next session. This is a cartoon from a recent review we published with Dr. Tai showing that BCMA is the most popular target because it's the most selective on myeloma and plasma cells, CAR T-cells, immunotoxins, and bispecific T-cell engagers are among the most promising. Here is the immunotoxin that binds a BCMA antibody that has the immune activity on the right to an orotoxin uh, immunotoxin and delivers the toxin to the myeloma, so there's an immune and a toxic effect. And I think you all know this. This immunotoxin has gone forward. It's a 60% response rate lasting a year in relapse myeloma, so this looks very promising. In my opinion, one of the most exciting are these bispecific T-cell engagers. They bind us, in this case, to BCMA on myeloma. They bring the T-cell in and hopefully, in so doing, improve the therapeutic index. There are at least five different trials out there now. But in one of them, in fact, at the dose that was tolerated, seven of ten patients responded, and five of those seven actually had MRD negativity. We've gone on because one of my theories for many, many years has been combinations. So we've gone on and combined the immunomodulatory drugs with these bites or bispecific T-cell engagers. And shown on the left is you can increase the killing of myeloma cell lines when you add a bite to immunomodulatory drug, lenalidomide or pomalidomide. 
And shown on the right, you can do that with a tirely autologous system, autologous immune cells, the bite, and in fact, immunomodulatory drugs. So maybe we can use lower doses and have better tolerability. And then you're going to hear a lot about CAR T cells in the next session. We were part of the Bluebird trial, and you know it's already been published. But when sufficient cells were given, 150 million or more, 16 of 16 patients got to be MRD negative. That's the positive side. The unfortunate side is that most patients, the median progression-free survival was only about 18 months. So people are doing a variety of things. This same construct, the BB2121, is being actually expanded in the presence of a PI3 kinase inhibitor to select for early memory cells. CD4 and CD8 CAR T cells are being combined to try to again get an early memory phenotype. We can have universal CAR T cells. There is what's called peptide-stimulated T cells. But here again, although it's very promising, we don't have sustained responses. We need to do something, and I believe it's combinations, to get sustained responses. Very appealing is this off-the-shelf idea where you could go into your clinic and you could get an off-the-shelf BCMA normal donor CAR T cell, which could be given to your patient and not recognize the patient as foreign and would have been genetically programmed so that if your patient's T cells started to reject those CAR T cells, we could do something about it. For example, if you delete CD52 from the CAR T cell and rejection started, you could give an antibody to CD52. I think the other concept we've been working on is RNA CAR T cells. Most of them are DNA CAR T cells. Why would you want to do that? Well, if you transduce RNA into the T cells, they actually transcribe the CAR, but they only work for like 10 days to two weeks. This is a concept illustrated on this slide, but you could actually theoretically give these RNA CAR T cells repeatedly just as we give targeted therapies uh, in, or conventional therapy in the old days with repeated doses. And the final concept I want to mention in this, we've actually uh, been very interested, as many of you may know, in vaccinations. And so we've recently made a BCMA peptide that has very strong affinity for BCMA, very stable binding, especially in now in the prototype is in the context of HLAA2. But shown on this slide, in normal donors, or it works in patients too, if you expose patient cells to this peptide, you can induce large amounts of memory, central memory T cells specific for BCMLA that have anti-myeloma activity. So shown on the bottom here, we're vaccinating patients now. We're generating these memory cells. We're harvesting them and expanding them ex vivo in the presence of the peptide giving them back just as you would a CAR T cell, except these are naturally stimulated memory cells. And the beauty of this experiment or protocol is that you can then vaccinate patients later on and maintain the immune response. We get vaccinated every 10 years for tetanus. We'll have to determine how often you have to vaccinate patients to get persistent central memory BCMA selective responses. So my final slide is this. I think although we've made great progress together, I think the best is yet to come. Vincent's going to lead the charge. He's already promised. And the, pro the problem that I think that can be best addressed by using combination therapies, we're going to define in our preclinical studies the right patients to treat. We're going to 
decide what are the right combinations. And we're going to have biomarkers to know that we actually hit the target or not. So we're not going to do large phase two and three trials, which take too much time, cost too much money, and most importantly, show minimal or marginal benefits. And our patients honestly can't wait. The most important point is the yellow one. If we're going to really make a difference, long-term disease-free survival, I think we need to get MRD negativity, and we have a variety of combination target therapies to do that. But as I hope I showed you at the end, I think we need to do something more. We need to restore in patients an immune response against their own tumor, and then those patients will be MRD negative with an immune repertoire. They will be off all therapy, and I think if you ask your patients, they would love to be off maintenance therapy. So I'll just close with my United Nations Against Myeloma and, and thank Mort Coleman and Ruben for this great opportunity.